Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of UGA Sports Live. My name is Roddy Nabolsi. I'm joined by Dane Young and Jim Donnan. Coach Donnan, of course, is the former Georgia Bulldogs head coach, and Dane Young is our uh, technical supervisor slash producer slash uh, third wheel that we bring around here to uh, have comments and such. Uh, coach, I want to go right to you um, before we mention our sponsor or anything like that. Just get your kind of thoughts on the breaking news this morning of Mike Leach passing away and, uh, uh, you know, our condolences and prayers go out to his family, his wife, his kids, his grandkids, the whole uh, Mississippi State, Texas Tech, everywhere he's coached, he's left an impact on the uh, young men there. And I just want to kind of get your thoughts on that right away. Well, it's a sad day for everyone. Uh, no question that this guy had a tremendous impact on uh, so many lives and uh, influence on uh, football in general with his uh, techniques and style and everything that he's uh, put out there uh, with that air raid offense that he and how mummy uh, developed. But, uh, you know, I had a, a good relationship with him. I wouldn't say real close, but uh, through the years we've kept up. Uh, I remember when uh, he was at Kentucky and Bob Stoops was getting the job at uh, Oklahoma. And we talked about uh, some different people that might be, good for uh, his offense and he, he said that Leach had given him trouble at Florida when he was a coordinator and I said I feel the same way and uh, at that point one of my quarterbacks was transferring their uh, Nate Hibble to Oklahoma with my blessing but I, I would have liked to have kept him here but uh, and I felt like that uh, Nate would do a good job with that offense it took him a year or so to get in, involved with it because he's transferring and then coach Leach went on to uh, Texas Tech as the head coach after one year. But uh, Coach Switzer was really high on him, uh, and he's a very good judge of character. They've stayed in, in good touch, too, over the years. And uh, and we actually talked about Mike when we were out at the Hall of Fame last week. So uh, I knew when they, uh, the news came that he had been airlifted that things didn't look good whenever you left, uh, you know, leave one of your own. Uh, hospitals to go to another one that's not good so uh just everybody needs to just understand that life is short get your checkups do what you got to do and uh be, be glad you got every breath you got yeah it's a uh, stuff like that just kind of i don't say scares you it's tragic first but then later on you start thinking about it and people start doing the math i'm this many years older than him i'm this many years younger than him i'm this many you know uh, whatever, you know, in comparison, you know, I remember uh, my grandparents always reading the obituaries. I'm like, why do you read that first? They're like, well, it's full of people we know. And I'm like, okay, that's a good point. Uh, and I just think that uh, our Anthony Dasher had a good note because uh, he had a medical scare recently. And he said, look, if you're over 50, get checked every year. Just get your blood work done. And, you know, I, I'll hear stuff like that. And I'm like, that's, it's, it's not me. You never think it's going to be you. Until you actually go and they go, hey, we, we noticed something in your uh, LDL numbers. We noticed something in your this number. And you're like, and that cold, ice cold water that runs down your back when that happens. You know, and so you make a good point, Coach. You know, that's uh, you'd never know when stuff like this is coming. I'm not saying that that his situation was preventable, but not taking for granted that tomorrow is guaranteed. And that's why, you know, my family, all the Muslims back home, you know, they always say inshallah, meaning uh, God willing. And if you say anything in future tense, like, hey, coach, I'll see you for lunch today. They'll say inshallah, meaning, you know, if God wills it. If, 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 in other words, 
15 minutes from now isn't promised to us. So I think it's a good way to look at the world that, uh, you know, call your mom, call your dad, call your kids and get close to them, you know, just stay in touch because you don't know what you like. This is going to happen. We didn't go to bed, you know, a Saturday night thinking that, you know, coach Leach might not be here come, you know, Tuesday morning. Who, who could have thought that? Sorry. That's my soapbox. And I'm, I just, yeah, I think the other thing that's really saying here is the stress that uh, coaching in general, not only college, any level, uh, it's very uh, high, high stressful job. And uh, some of it's self-absorbed because you put so much on yourself, but uh, you read about all these contracts and you see this constant turnover in coaching and, and guys, uh, it's just a, a real big high pressure job. So, uh, you got to take care of yourself, and uh, it's it's important that you understand that uh, it you know some kind of physical activity on top of the mental stress you're making in your coaching profession is really important. Dane, that kind of uh, brings up the the question I had. We he, we love the intense coaches. We had a kid, uh, AJ Harris, the other day said, you know, we're doing this preview on all the players who are coming to Georgia. And he says, I can't wait to get to Georgia to get cussed out by Kirby Smart because it'll make me better. And we love the intense coaches. We love the clips of the coaches going bonkers on the sidelines and, you know, that intensity, you know, that's probably unhealthy for him. But Mike Leach seemed to be the guy that you, you were just out there that seemed, I don't want to say above all this, but just so unique. It just kind of, you wouldn't think that uh, coach's point, you know, there's stress and then there's t- physically taking care of yourself, but he just seemed, it shouldn't happen to the good guys. Damn it. <laughs> you know? Well, like I didn't know Mike Leach at all. I'd been in the same room a couple times, just as happens with media. Didn't even know him as well as coach Donna did. And he even said that, you know, friendly, but kind of on the periphery that happens with coaches. But I felt like I did, you know, because yeah. that's, that's what he gave off. And, yeah. um, he was such a wonderful front door to this crazy, quirky sport. And he was one reason, Roddy, I, I texted you before the season and I haven't gone to a lot of games in person because we do our watch along show with yeah. Coach Donnan. So I have, for multiple years, I haven't gone to games in person. And I texted you preseason and I said, I've never been to Mississippi State and I want to go do this. And that was because of Mike Leach. Yeah. Like I wanted to be around whatever it is that he put out into the world. And to me, that was just being authentic. It was having idiosyncrasies uh, that you are proud of and that other people can learn from. And in a world that just says, give me more, give me more, give me more. He, he was just, I'm going to be different than that. I'm going to make you think about things differently. And I thought it was so cool and it just sucks. I mean, it, it sucks in every way possible. And uh, I hope we all can kind of learn from what his legacy is, which is, treat people well, but also chase your curiosities. Yeah, I'll give you a good example of his uh, open-mindedness and everything. Back when I first got out of coaching, uh, I was doing uh, a hit over there with 680 in Atlanta every week, uh, kind of a coach's show, uh, but, you know, with Buck Ballou and some other guys, and then eventually they dropped me, but uh, that was okay. But the point was that people would always say, you know, Buck would say, who do you want coach to get on, get on. And so, you know, Nick Saban, you know, got, you know, over and over, just be, and then this one lady called one day and said, Hey, I'm a big Texas tech fan. You think you could get Mike Leach? And I mean, nobody really was worried about Mike Leach in our environment here, but 
I called Mike and he said, sure, I'll be on with you. And uh, <laughs> we had a good show. And the first thing he did on the show, which was incredible to me, was he asked me how Todd was doing because he and Todd had developed a relationship recruiting together uh, for Kentucky and Georgia. And uh, Todd told me the guy was and talked to him about getting into coaching and said, look, you know, hey, I, I was kind of like you. Uh, I went to law school and then I got my master's degree and then I decided I wanted to coach. You know, Todd went and got a master's degree from the Terry College of Business and then uh, decided he wanted to coach. So, I mean, it, just a genuine guy. I mean, you just can't – you can't make stuff up like that. No, you cannot. Anyway, our uh, condolences to the uh, Leach family, uh, to his wife, to his kids, to all uh, grandchildren, and all the people whose lives he touched. And heaven uh, will be a lot more interesting with Mike Leach up there. I guarantee you that. We're going to uh, move on from that. Again, you're, uh, rest easy, Coach. Uh, let's move on to uh, Stetson Bennett. Coach, I want to talk about him, the fact that he was a Heisman finalist. And we're going to have a little segment here after our first commercial break where we talk about some of the false uh, factor fiction. There's a lot of narratives running around about Georgia this time of year um, from NIL to individual players to the program in general. There's a bunch of stuff that uh, fans think they know or opposing fans think they know about Georgia. We're going to go through whether or not those are uh, true or not. But I, one thing that is true was that uh, Stetson Bennett, uh, to the chagrin of a lot of Tennessee fans who thought Hendon Hooker should be there, was actually in New York. Uh, Kirby Smart flew up there. A bunch of people flew up to see him and as one of the final, four finalists for the Heisman Award. And I thought it was a fantastic ceremony. I thought the storytelling was genius, as uh, Dane pointed out on Twitter. It was really, really good. But I think people kind of really got to know these guys, and I think any, they'd have been happy if any of them won it. But I just think it's interesting that Stetson Bennett was actually one of the finalists. Coach, your thoughts? I may have froze a second there with Coach. You want my thoughts? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought you made a good point about the storytelling there. Yeah, the the Heisman broadcast I thought was one of the better ones I've seen in a long time. Uh, just the pacing of it, and you could tell it was super well produced. There's a lot of work that goes into producing one hour of television. So I hope people at home see that and understand. Look, ESPN has the resources to make that happen. They had the access. They had all the things you need to do it well. But it's still really hard to do well, even with those things in mind. Yeah. And I thought they did a, a great job of kind of bouncing around from player to coach to parents. Um, and telling the stories of all these guys, there was something that they had all overcome to get to that point. We know Stetson Bennett's story very well. And I thought to encapsulate that into what's essentially, what, three minutes of airtime? I thought they did about as good as you could do with it. And uh, there's so many layers and things to peel back with his story. And I even like the fact that after his New York experience, he gets on Instagram and he says, well, that was fun. Now on to the thing that actually matters. <laughs> and the fact that he got a shout out from Caleb Williams after it, uh, the fact that he got a shout out, uh, you know, just from Cave Williams saying, you guys are in the playoff and I won the Heisman. And so I guess you can't have everything. Like it was just everything was kind of well done. It could have been 30 minutes. And I'm one of the persons you know, that's always like, just tweet out the winner. Just let's go. But I thought it was a good point to give the, the that's, we call it the most uh, individual or the most uh, coveted award in football. So I can see why they, they uh, paced it out like they did. Uh, Caleb Williams was, when he came to Georgia, Georgia was in the running for him. Folks may not know this. Georgia was very, very much in the running for him. Uh, Stetson Bennett was his host when he came. So Stetson showed him around because Stetson's been here since the 1930s and uh, was able to take 
Caleb and say, look, this is what George is like. So he was, you know, it's, it, it's always interesting to me when you're selling your position to a potential competitor, you know, and that's, uh, but that, that if you are a defensive tackle, you want to go hang out with a defensive tackle, see what they think of their coach, see what they think of their uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Saw that Stetson had 30 some odd first place votes. So some people actually, it wasn't just, the aggregation of him being at the top of the list. You know, some people actually thought he should win it. So I thought Stetson really uh, showed out well. Also, I want to give folks a little behind-the-scenes stuff. We we mentioned this on UGA Sports. You may not realize what happened there, but Kirby Smart was having a big recruiting weekend. I saw some questions there about uh, Jordan Hall. He was, you know, he was recruiting him. Uh, Wilson, a couple committed guys, uh, Daniel Calhoun, Ra-Ra Thomas, the Mississippi State wide receiver, came in over the weekend. You know, the transfer portal uh, wide receiver uh, was visiting. Kirby was hosting a recruiting weekend, plus they had some sort of practice, uh, workouts or meetings or something like that. So he had team activities as well. But he and uh, Josh Brooks and uh, Buster Faulkner and a bunch of other people dropped what they were doing, flew all the way to New York to be there for that ceremony. You know, and then came right back to finish up the weekend. I'm just saying that's the man who, and we documented this on the vault at UGA Sports, has been everywhere um, when it comes to this past week of recruiting visits. I mean, sometimes he was seeing five guys in a day. And it's not like they're all at Georgia. They're in different cities uh, across the south, across the Midwest, across the north. And that's Kirby Smart just tearing up the recruiting trail and then stopping to take a few minutes to go to New York, be on TV, you know, be interviewed about uh, Stetson. And I, I thought he said something very interesting. He said, we never thought Stetson was good enough, but he kept forcing us to reconsider. And uh, I think that's the way a lot of people felt about the voting. They're like, ah, he's not good enough. But then he's just uh, so many MVP awards. He was in New York. Hey, Coach, back. Uh, Coach give us your thoughts on Stetson and, and New York. Yeah, I was happy for Stetson. I mean, he's had a really good year. I mean, he had so many plays that hurt his stats because he got tackled inside the five, like 12 or 13 plays. But, you know, and he didn't play in the third and fourth quarter a lot of games. But uh, That's a good it's, point. Just, it's not fair to uh, get on him about Hooker. That wasn't his fault. I mean, Hooker got hurt. Uh, but it was just a real signature moment for a young man who deserves some uh, credit for his career. And uh, – you could see the pride his family had and our coaches that went up there. It was just a tremendous event to the uh, rest of your life. You could say you were at the Heisman as one of the finalists, and uh, that's something they can't ever take away from you. I know uh, I've had a good relationship with Stetson and uh, Caleb Williams ever since Caleb was recruited here. And uh, uh, Let me interrupt. How close did Caleb come to coming to Georgia? You – no, you didn't see behind the scenes stuff like that. I, I was just telling people while you were reconnecting there. No, you can't ever say George what, was in the running. You can't ever say what if, but you know he developed. He and his dad developed a really uh, good fondness for Coach Smart and for Coach Coley in particular because he was the lead dog recruiter on him. And uh, I forgot that it just seemed like once Coley left that uh, you know he, we didn't have quite the attachment there. And uh, Brock decommitted from Oklahoma, and this kid went there. But uh, I got the chance to see him a couple of times, which I told you and Dane when I was out there over Thanksgiving last year and uh, watched him practice and all. And he came over and we, he and Coach Switzer and I actually had a picture made together. And, uh, you know, I've just kind of kept up with him occasionally texting him. But I sent a text to Stetson 
not knowing that Stetson had actually been his host when he was the uh, on campus for a visit and said, hey, tell Caleb that uh, you know me. And uh, right after that, they sent me a picture back of the two of them together. So I make the old coach feel good. You know, these kids have a lot of things going for them, but uh, they, they do, uh, uh, you know, they enjoy, I think just the relationships they built up there uh, among the four of them also is something you can't uh, take away from them. So uh, it was a good ceremony, and I thought uh, – Caleb thanked everybody, but the doctor that delivered him, I think, uh, it was an unbelievable speech, but it was kind of like a filibuster, but it's very genuine, and uh, it's obvious he's a classy kid and a really good player. I think he's got a tremendous future. I did laugh at how quickly, you know, USC and then even Lincoln Riley gets, he's coached three Heisman winners in recent memory, which is a fact, but it's also a fact that he started Spencer Rattler over Caleb Williams for like eight games last year. So it's hard. I'm not like trying to dog on him for it, but I'm just saying like, it's, it's hard to do what he did. And uh, it's hard to see talent sometimes. Transfers too. Baker transferred from Texas tech and, uh, Kyler transferred from uh, Texas A&M and, you know, he uh, did a good job with him. And uh, and you look at Jalen Hurts, the way he's playing in the pros, which makes me feel like that Anthony Richardson's going to have a really good shot because that's the, that's the way of the pros now, running the zone reads, RPOs and things like that. Anthony Richardson would be terrific with that. So uh, people talking about why we be drafted so high. He's a prototype of uh, – of what you're seeing with Herbert and uh, and and certainly uh, Mahomes and also uh, Jalen Hurts. That's uh, I was a little surprised to myself all the Anthony Richardson talk, talk, talk and Anthony Richardson talk going that highly and all. You can't even say it. I can't, but I'm incredulous. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in shock. Well, what's not in shock is our friends over at Athens Ford. I want to mention them real quick because they have the Angel List that's going on for just a couple more days. They've been doing this since November 15th, and it goes through December 15th. Today's the 13th. So get out there and buy a vehicle quickly. Uh, and trust me, it does not take very long to buy a vehicle out there. They're, they're, uh, they have in-house financing and all that fast stuff, and uh, they will take care of you. You can look online, see all their vehicles, see all of their uh, new, pre-owned. You can go ahead and order one. I guarantee you if you order one now and it's they say it's going to be here in a couple of days or a couple of weeks or whatever, months if it's a Bronco, they will still – uh, go ahead and do the uh, angel list, which is basically they sp- spend a hundred bucks on toys for kids in the community. This goes for the Salvation Army and the Toys for Tots. And basically the kids write down a list what they want. They go out, buy it. There's thousands, it seems, of toys out there. So uh, our friends at Athens Ford, they're not only sponsoring Toys for Tots and Salvation Army, they're also sponsoring the uh, lights out at the uh, at uh, Georgia Botanical Gardens. Go check those out as well. In other words, when it comes to Christmas, you got to think Athens forward because they do a great job on it. I also want to mention our friends at Prime Shrimp. Uh, they have the new barbecue shrimp uh, uh, product out there. It's, it's brand new. I just got some in the mail the other day. One of my favorite meals was in, I think it was Effie's. I can't remember the name of the place. Rita's. I had barbecue shrimp there. I, they have it at the Bourbon House. It's also famous. The New Orleans style, style barbecue shrimp. It's nothing like it. And it's one of the things I always think about when I go back to New Orleans. There's so many millions of places I want to eat when I get to New Orleans. And when I see it on the menu, I'm like, oh, yeah, barbecue shrimp. Because nobody does it like uh, New Orleans does. Of course, our friends at Prime Shrimp, that is their newest flavor. Of course, they have a ton of others. Use promo code UGA Sports. Get 20% off your first order. 
Uh, you will absolutely love it. It's frozen shrimp with seasoning shipped directly to your house. You put it in your freezer. When you're ready, you take it out. You drop the bag into boiling water. Wait, you know, flip it once about halfway through a four minute cycle. Take it out, uh, cut it open, dump it on your pasta, dump it on your tire, uh, uh, tacos, whatever you want. But hell, just dip it in cocktail sauce and you'll love it. So hit prime shrimp when you get the chance. I, um, Let's go to yeah. this comment from Chuck Ward in YouTube. It says, Coach, you need to pat yourself on the back because when he was a junior in high school, you said Jalen Carter is the outstanding – or now Jalen Carter is the outstanding player of college football, and it will be confirmed at the draft. Well, I don't think I should pat myself too much. It's pretty obvious what kind of player he was. But uh, I never will forget Marshall Malco, uh, the uh, director of recruiting. We, we used to talk about some of the guys that I – that I coached uh, over the years and uh, he sent me a text uh, when, uh, when they started looking at Jalen Carter and he said, here's a guy like Seymour and Stroud that we're going to get. And when he said that, I immediately went and looked at him and uh, that's a pretty dang good comparison. So, uh, uh, but he was, he, he's certainly enjoying football right now. I mean, you know, the rest of his life, you're not going to see many people pick up a guy and hold up number one. So that was uh, – but he, he's just a dominant player. I mean, you watch him in practice uh, over the years, spring practice. I mean, no matter who he's playing against, he he's just hard to block. And he's so athletic and uh, very intelligent player too. I mean, he plays he plays a scheme, whatever they call. Uh, and, and they've done a good job, Schumann and Kirby and – and uh, Trey Scott and uh, Muschamp of lining him up in different places, uh, which you can do if you're smart enough to run that, but you can also attack personnel. Let's say this guy's not as good a pass blocker or this guy's not as good a run blocker, play him there down in distance-wise, and he just annihilates people. And let's get this comment from Milton Skelton. says, hello from Spartanburg, South Carolina. I love the show. Finally getting to catch it live. Is there a possibility of Georgia picking up Marshawn Lloyd from the transfer portal? No. All right, then. You know, right. here's the reason I say that. I don't mean to be as smart ass the way I said no, but uh, and Spartanburg's one of my favorite towns. My uncle, Leon Tinsley, I uh, used to go there every summer, and uh, I love Spartanburg, uh, and uh, I appreciate him watching the show. But uh, a guy like that uh, who has so much, uh, you know, uh, tape and everything, and he's a definitive player, it can upset the apple cart of the players you have to bring in an established guy like that. Uh, if you if you just bringing in another guy, it'd be different. But to bring in a guy on top of the ones we have is not uh, Kirby style. I just think if we had a definite need there, but I feel good. You know, if Milton comes back and we've got these other guys. Uh, I, I talked about Andrew Paul. Uh, hopefully, he can re- recuperate like Zamir White did. He's really a good back and. Uh, we got this Robinson kid coming in for spring. I just don't think you, 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 here's the point. You got employees working for you and they're making a certain salary and you bring in somebody that might be as good as one of your guys, but you pay more than what you're paying this year. Somebody's working for you. And that's what happens with this NIL. Somebody's going to have to come up with some heavy cash to, to get Marshawn Lloyd. Yeah, I can see him going to a non-established school just for the money. I mean, you, you just got to think. He's got it going there in South Carolina. I mean, they won all those games, but all of a sudden they're losing players. I mean, they lost that uh, 
Raheem Bell went and that stock, uh, that guy, the tight end's gone back to Oklahoma, who left Oklahoma and came there. Uh, they're losing some guys, which makes you think that things aren't as quite as hunky dory there on the NIL as, as it would be somewhere else. And, and let's put it like this. It's free agency out there. These yes. guys owe, owe an allegiance to the school, but they also are looking after their own rear end. So that's why you see a lot of these people, lo- you know, leaving. Uh, Tank Bixby's going pro. I don't blame him. You know, I mean, they're coming in with a new style there. Uh, it's just the way it is. You got to look after yourself. And fans have a hard time because they have a tremendous loyalty to their school and they can't see it. But you put yourself as the father or mother of one of these guys and you can't blame them. I mean, but I, I just hope I explain that, that in the apple cart over here, the way Kirby does things, I just don't think we would upset the system by bringing in a guy that's probably maybe better, but might not be than the guys we have. And it sends the wrong signal to the rest of the players. True. They also, uh, they send the wrong signal. You're still, hammer and tong fight to steal one of coaches phrases to get justice Haynes you know uh, he talks about how he's going to roll early at Alabama and he might would not shock me but I will say that uh, as we had in our war room yesterday from Blaine Gilmer UGA has done everything in its power everything there's no stone that's not been overturned no I that hasn't been dotted no T that has not been crossed for them to try to get justice Haynes they're all in on justice if they don't get him, then maybe they look to the portal. But, you know, they hey, they passed on Jaheim Bell. You're thinking this Georgia's tight end you. They need tight ends. Why would they not go after Jaheim Bell? Well, just as Coach says, you know, some, some of these kids have an asking price that's a little too high. And some have a they, – they don't – they aren't better than what you have. They aren't better than what you have coming up. So – I disagree with that. Our tight end room is needy. I mean, we got lucky and that uh, Sperling coming in. What are, you, what are you basing that on? No, I'm just saying if you're with the possibility you're losing a the production of Darnell Washington, you might have another kid transfer. You could bring in an established, well-known uh, super SEC tight end. I don't, I don't think he's done much at all myself. Yeah, I think he's been okay. That's your, that's your opinion, but that's my <laughs> opinion. But I think that's uh, – uh, Yeah, they passed uh, on him. You look, no, look at the head coach – of a program, you got to look at position-wise, but also is there a need that's more uh, demonstrative, like a wide receiver or maybe another DB? And you got to you got to look at the whole. That's one thing. When I was in, you know, as a head coach, every coach you got eight eight or nine coaches now ten, and everyone's trying to sell their kids in their area or their position, and you've got to make that decision. Is this guy right here? is important to our team as another position where we got to have this position. So you turn down, you know, we, we turned down, uh, you know, some really good running backs the year we took Moose and Smith and Hollins. I mean, uh, Ronnie Brown, are you kidding me? Uh, what a player. And we made a mistake. He might not have come anyhow, but we made a move with him. So you got to look at it like that, Roddy, uh, yeah. from a coach's perspective of your whole total team of what you need is. And, uh, and so also, there's there's the personality aspect of it because, as Coach Smart said, you know, some of these kids are going in the portal. Well, why? You know, he said we want to know this kid beforehand. We hopefully we have some sort of previous relationship with him. Ideally, he's camped here. We've we recruited him. We're not just going to go after anybody because you know why are they leaving their school? So yeah, also, point, other point, other point. 
that I would make is, and you hate to admit it, but you overrated this guy out of high school. Yeah. Uh, case in point, that Grimes kid from, from North Carolina, everybody thought he was the second coming of a Deion Sanders, but he hasn't done much at all as a, as a defensive back in North Carolina. Now he's in the portal. And you don't see everybody jumping up and down trying to get him. There, may, there might be some, and he, he might be somebody's going to develop. But I'm saying you got to – I mean, people uh, over-evaluate guys sometimes. True. Multiple people have said that uh, we were wrong in our evaluation. And multiple uh, coaches have said that to me. I'm curious about the running back numbers, though, because Kenny McIntosh is the only running back that I fully expect to be gone. And if George is losing one, but likely trying to bring in two, if they end up getting Haynes as well, to me, that's saying either they're willing to go to six scholarship running backs or they're expecting someone else to leave. Well, that's, you know, that's a case in point. Six running backs, not too many. Uh, We've just been blessed with having five super studs. The last few years, when you look at the guys playing Swift and Michelle and Chubb and all those guys, but uh, I think it all depends on what your needs are, other position wise, and uh, and you got to look at uh, Andrew Paul coming off of surgery. You might want to back that up a little bit with with a, a healthy guy for sure. Well, that brings up uh, one of our one of our features we want to do this week, we've been looking around at some of the narratives, some of the discussions, you know, and coach brings up a good point where every, everybody that pops in the portal, people are like, Oh, George should get him. Well, do you, do you have room for him? Do you, do you, do you need him? And we, we just don't know. So we're going to take a second here and kind of do a little fact or fiction, you know, uh, rumors versus uh, truth. And I'm, Coach, I'm going to put out a narrative to you that I've seen bouncing around, and I want you to tell us whether it's true or false, basically. So the first one that part, uh, popped up is, of course, uh, teams are basically targeting Keely Ringo. Keely Ringo has not been a plus in the secondary. He's gotten burned a lot lately. There's just a lot of people bashing on Keely Ringo. I need an objective truth from you about Keely Ringo's play over the last few games, or the whole season. F-A-L-S-E. <laughs> okay. uh, I mean, the guy, everybody gets beaten. But, uh, for instance, in the game against LSU, two of the touchdowns were not his fault. The one, he's playing cover two. The safety has a bad angle coming off the hash, Malachi Starks. The other one, when uh, when the Nussmeyer scrambled, he was playing deep third. They were playing three deep. And the guy r- ran across the middle in the safety. I don't know if it was Smith or Starks came up to stop the run, and he was over the middle. And everybody thinks because Keeley reacted and almost knocked it down, it was his man. So watch the tape. Dane and uh, Brent do a good job looking at that. I mean, he gets beat. Everybody gets beat. But when you look at his his uh, credentials and you look at what he'll do at the combine, he'll be drafted in the first round, uh, no question. I mean, I have no doubt. I think uh, his play was stellar against Tennessee. He's had some really good games. But uh, one of the things, we put him on an island maybe because we know he can cover more than we do other guys. And, uh, you know, if, if we play like uh, cover four where we, we load up on one side and play zone on the other. So defenses read the guy that's got the least uh, – I mean, the, the one that's got the best chance when you're playing man-to-man there uh, on the fade or whatever it might be. So he gets more shots because of the coverages we play. But uh, – that's, Don't hear what your facts and figures and your that's scheme. That's false. That's false as it can be. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, and uh, 
I'm old and not very smart compared to some people, but I can tell you this, Keely Ringo, big time corner, have a great pro career. This is where stats need context because it's true that Ringo has been targeted more than twice as much as Lasseter, especially in recent weeks. But it's also true that he's covering the other team's best receiver. And typically, a team is going to try to target its best receiver. Yeah, plus is everybody that watches tape, like all our fans that are so smart, do they realize that he's the field corner a lot of the times? He's playing to the field, and sometimes he's playing into the boundary. Uh, he doesn't necessarily play right or left. I mean, he could play everywhere. So uh, uh, I think we'll see some, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to catch some passes on him. I mean, he's an elite receiver. But uh, we'll have a similar type defensive success against Ohio State that we did against Tennessee, I think, because different style quarterback. This guy's not a running threat that, that we saw with uh, Daniels, and we'll, we'll be able to play more spot man under type coverages with our linebackers and uh, our star, everybody. So uh, we'll see how that goes, but hey, I'm not ready. It. I'm not ready to slit my throat about that, that game against LSU. We, what is the word? What's the number after 49? Uh, it'd be 50 coach. How many do we score? And we could have scored a lot more. I yeah, mean, so uh, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a tougher test then uh, it should be a tough test when you play in the national semifinals, but yeah. uh, well, that up, they uh, stop us. That's, that's going to be a real challenge. And that brings up uh, narrative number two that we're seeing a lot, uh, mainly from Ohio state fans and uh, the, some of the national pundits. Uh, Georgia has not seen a quarterback as talented as CJ Stroud this year. True. The guy's a second Heisman trophy. He's in the second running. I mean, he got his team to the, uh, Rose Bowl last year. I mean, he's he's the most talented quarterback we play. NFL's going to tell you it's Levis. <laughs> I didn't understand Richardson. I really don't understand Levis. Y'all are messing with him. talented, but when you look at the supporting cast, the line, the receivers, everybody, this guy presents a really good challenge for us. Uh, running game, scheme, everything. Uh, he's, he's a very talented quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, this one was very prevalent uh, this past weekend from the Stetson detractors. Uh, Coach, any of Georgia's quarterbacks could have had the same year Stetson Bennett did. You know, I, I'm going to have to go in the middle here because I think both of these other quarterbacks we got are good. Uh, supporting cast that we had certainly helped any quarterback, but Fair. when you when you look at the uh, – what's on the plate of the quarterback and the way he delivered in big games. I think it's very hard to project that and say they could have, but the system is such that you put a lot of pressure on the quarterback to, to do things at the line of scrimmage to uh, make checks. But uh, I don't think any of these guys could have made the, the uh, movement type moves that he made. Uh, maybe Vandergriff could some, but you know, the way he got out of, of the rush and, only had seven sacks. Uh, we'll see next year. One of them will. We'll see how he does. That's <laughs> that. That'll come up. Uh, any thoughts, Dane? You did. You do a lot of film breakdown. Could uh, Carson Beck or Brock Vandegrift pull this off? 
feel like it's a similar discussion to like the JT Daniels thing. Like they couldn't pull this off. They may be very good and Georgia may could win a national championship with them, but it wouldn't be this way. And I guess what I'm meaning is like these touchdowns where you see Stetson Bennett running in the open field or uh, just some of the misdirection or extending plays, not going to the ground. Carson Beck, not going to do that stuff. He's just not that kind of athlete. He can do other things, maybe even as good as Stetson Bennett, but not everything. And if we had, and we'll see in the spring, Brock is just a spread type guy that can do a lot with his feet. Can he make the throws that, uh, that uh, Stetson made? He's got, certainly got the arm to do it. Uh, it's going to be a real fight for see who wins that job. And I think Gunner got to give him a shot the way he's improved and the way he's gone through coaching. Now, I would think with the uh, change in uh, with Buster Faulkner going to, to uh, Georgia Tech, I think probably Mike Bobo will have a little bit more direct uh, work along with Coach Munkin with the quarterbacks. And he's got an existing relationship with Gunner for a long time. So I think that'll be good for Gunner. Uh, speaking of that one, uh, here's another one because uh, Todd Munkin's name has popped up a lot throughout you know the coaching searches, as has. Uh, Muschamp and Glenn Schumann and Trey Scott and Del McGee. Every Georgia's assistant coach is going to get some sort of uh, be on a short list somewhere. Uh, Todd Munkin is happy where he's at and does not want to be a college football head coach. I'd say true, he's happy where he is, but I would say for somebody to say he doesn't want to be a head coach, uh, how can you say that? I know you're saying what people might say, but. Uh, He's going to be very selective. He's he's going to be that at this point. Uh, I would go over my own situation when I was at Oklahoma. It was hard to think about going to a lesser job and taking over and starting from scratch compared to the lifestyle and the winning you're doing where you know every week you're probably going to win, maybe lose one game a year. Uh, so you, you, in the family you're involved with and all that. So I think – he's already been a head coach. He's been a coordinator in the pros. He's making good salary. I think without putting words in his mouth, I think it's just uh, the fact that he wouldn't look in a Purdue job shows you that it's got to be a really good job. I mean, nothing wrong with Purdue. I mean, they hired a coach that is a 36-year-old defensive coordinator, so I'm, I'm sure that Todd would have had a chance if he had interviewed. But you look at the fact that there were nine and four this year how are you going to top that? Uh, you got two teams coming in the league. All of a sudden, are they going to move them to the Eastern Division? And now you're playing all those teams. And so you always look at things like that. And uh, I, I think he's very happy here. But same time, I, I would say for anybody to think that he wouldn't take a college head job would be whistling Dixie. Yeah. I think this action tells you, one, if he takes a college head job, he, he has his eyes set on something greater than – what Purdue has to offer, just like Coach said. But the other thing, I, I think the threat for him leaving Georgia is always going to be NFL if someone wants him to come back and call plays in the NFL because of his contacts and the different lifestyle. Like, I always think that's going to be something that could possibly tug at him. Yeah, his main contact in the NFL was was the uh, coach at uh, Tampa, who's now at Boise State as a coordinator. But I will say this for people that say that he might not entertain a college job. I think uh, he was certainly in the mix for Central Florida last year, but the AD at Central Florida had a pre-existing relationship with Gus Malzahn because he was the AD that hired him at at uh, Arkansas State, and uh, that never got very far. But just the fact that Todd was interested in that job shows you that 
for people to say he wouldn't be interested in uh, going to another college job. That, that answers that question pretty quickly. There we go. Overall, with the coaching carousel stuff, that there's just so many more factors than just place guy X at school X. Because even for a guy like Dell McGee, who has told me face to face that he wants to be a college head coach, he tells everyone that he's been very honest and candid in that. Now, for it to work out money wise and for where he's at with the teacher's retirement in Georgia and what he would get in his retirement, he pretty much has to get head coaching money to be lured away from Georgia for it to make sense. You know, that that sounds good and everything, but I promise you this. There hasn't been a coach in the history of football that made a move because of money. You, you go because of your, your career advancement. Just like if you had a chance to go to another school and be a, a, a professor, full professor, and maybe not make quite as much, but down the road you're going to have a chance to really, you know, ingrain yourself. That's what, you know, I made several moves in college just because of, it was better in my career, and even though it wasn't much more money or, or even the same. So, uh, and and one time I was a coordinator, and I moved just to be a position coach to, so I could get with a winning program. So I think in Dell's case, he can be select. You're exactly right about he needs to be selective and all, but uh, he he definitely, uh, he, you know, it's got a, you know a school like Georgia State or. Georgia Southern or something like that. I mean, I think they'd jump all over him if they, if they became open. But I just don't think coaches look at the money part near as much as they look at uh, look at Dan Lanning. Couple last couple of years, he was offered unbelievable amount of money to go to Texas. It didn't go. Uh, he stayed here, and it worked out good for him. But that's just my two cents for you, Dane. But uh, that's from a coach's perspective. The, the only pushback I'd have is I feel like I just saw Lane Kiffin essentially flirt with Auburn for the money and made Ole Miss. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah. Hey, there's plenty of them that do that. That's right. For every one, you can, one that doesn't do it for money to do it for it. So uh, that's, you're exactly right. So I probably shouldn't have been quite as uh, <laughs> candid about that, but I do think coaches look at career based they uh, and they want to get, there's so much involved. It's like a guy like Buster Faulkner came here and took a tremendous lack of, uh, I mean, jump as far as salary going down to come here, left a coordinator's job to come to Georgia for three years. And then after two years, he got jumped up a little bit and started making more money. But he wanted to be associated with a winning program and hopefully, you know, get a better job. I mean, he's gone from a from Southern Miss coordinator now being an ACC coordinator. So it was a good move career-wise. Yeah, moving up is good. I actually left UJ Sports. It was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. And then – Wound up doing time at ESPN, but got to come back and be the head guy at UGA Sports. So it was career advancement. It damn sure wasn't for the money. <laughs> That's for certain. I mean, hiring people like me is career advancement. The head guy. <laughs> I thought Rachel was. So, uh, okay. Hey, if not for Rachel, we'd, we'd be poor. Uh, speaking of good moves and uh, advancing yourself, I want to mention our friends at Your Pie. Uh, they have a, a fantastic franchising capability that you need to check into when you. Uh, uh, get the chance. We, we mention them all the time for uh, the what what they the pizzas they have and stuff like that. But you definitely have to check out the franchises. Okay, you can get them all across the country. It doesn't matter where you go. They have um, uh, the potential to go anywhere that you want. Uh, they have it's an award winning franchise. Okay, it's not just uh, hey come give us a lot of money, open up your own spot, and you're kind of out of luck. Uh, they. No, they have good people. They have 
really good food and it, the growth market is phenomenal. And I know, uh, like I mentioned, my friend, Bob Rosado, he opened one, it took off so well, he opened a second. Okay. Bob's rich. Nice. You no know, jokes about that. And I uh, tease him about it, but that's just because of such a good idea. So if you were looking to, we always talk about, Hey, it's double points Tuesday, you know, order your stuff. You're ordering it from people who've made a smart business decision to open a, a pizza restaurant. Here's the thing. It's custom. People love it. It's almost a lifestyle. They become addicted to it. You have a built-in market and they just keep coming back. So if you want a good move, as we're talking about, you know, some of these other guys and the, uh, you know, coaches making good decisions for themselves, make a good decision for yourself and check out our friends at Europi. Hit them up. Open a franchise. Speaking of franchises, I also want to mention our friends at My Perfect Franchise, Andy Ludecki. Andy and um, uh, Andy has a, uh, a partner out there, uh, former Georgia Braves pitcher. You can need to check him out. You can see it under the, uh, uh, you know, the meet us part. But basically what Andy and uh, the folks at My Perfect Franchise do, they help you diversify. They help you uh, create income and wealth. They basically get you out of the rat race that you were in and make you your own boss. Now, uh, he was doing this, you know, 10 years ago. He was sick of his job. and He got out of it to become personally and financially independent. So he started, started looking at franchises and realized there's tons of franchises out there. OK, and it's not just restaurants. I mentioned your pie, but there's a ton of other ones. I think his first one was a dumpster company. And then he did uh, Porta John's. Uh, he did a gutter company. The thing is, there are all these different companies out there that you can run as a franchise. Uh, roofing companies. He's helped a lot of people at UGA Sports start roofing companies, and those are in demand. So uh, you can be your own boss, set your own uh, schedule, take all the paid time off or the personal leave you want because you're the head guy. Um, so it's a no-brainer. Call Andy. It doesn't cost you anything. He's going to set it up. He's going to walk you through it, find out how much you're willing to invest, how much you want uh you know, financing, all that stuff. He's trying to help you. You don't have to pay him at all. So try my perfect franchise when you get a chance. Did we have more narratives or do you want to get the questions from you? I have a couple more narratives. You know, I was thinking during that whole thing, I kind of got I choked up there on your pie because I thought I hadn't even thought about the fact that now Mississippi State has to go through a coaching search. They don't have an athletic director right now. So they ever put that on hold before they even get to that stage. Yeah. So, you know, who knows if they call you got a situation there where Zach Arnett is a really enterprising young defensive coordinator and it's got a uh, has been a big part of their success uh you know I don't know who who on offense is really uh you know coach Leach called all the plays I know Steve Spurrier Jr's there uh has been with him at Washington State and and there but I think if they want to continue that style they got to really be careful about who they're going to get uh, as offensive coordinator if they move Arnett up to being the head coach. So uh, it, it's going to be – it's a plumb job, really. I mean, you know, SEC job is good to have, and some of them are better than others. But uh, just the fact that that they've gotten their squad up to par where they're very competitive. I mean, you look at the way they played so many good teams this year. I think there's going to be uh, some guys that – that definitely uh, will be looking at that. Some some big names. Uh, that's I, I really hadn't thought that far ahead, but uh, hate it for the bulldog community out there. It's still 
makes me sad. Okay, one of the other uh, narratives pops up, Coach. Um, um, pull up here. Georgia cannot compete with other schools when it comes to name, image, and likeness deals. <laughs> Good gracious. That is the funniest thing I've heard since laughing. Come on. <laughs> oh, going back. Are I you like serious? I've seen it because there was like Sadir Mitchell and some other names popped up. And like, well, Georgia's getting lapped when it comes to NIL. They got the uh, athletic director out there flogging this thing, trying to make uh, uh, the NIL deals happen, promoting um, uh, the Classic City Collective. And it, it comes up, Dane, when it seems that uh, if Georgia misses on a guy, it's always it used to be the other team cheated. Now it's, you know, Georgia couldn't match her NIL deal. And that just kind of, I don't think I mean, it, isn't this just the well, new iter- crazy numbers that I don't believe. So it's, it's the new iteration of negative recruiting of like, you know, oh, team, yeah. t- team X is going to talk about how great their NIL is and how poor yours is. And so when George is in recruiting battles, if you hear this stuff coming up, that that's a piece of what it is. I mean, when we're putting dollars on this, which is not new to college football, let's not pretend like it is like that's yeah. the history of the sport here. But when, when we're putting dollars and stuff on this, like the, the traditional um, human nature of this is that things are pretty good for Georgia right now. And so Georgia may not have the exact same desperation when it comes to NIL as other teams have, or at least pretend to have. I just, I do think it's the future of this is just the latest iteration of negative recruiting is talking about what other schools do or don't do with NIL. I, I must have knocked my internet off laughing so hard at that. Uh, I mean, there's there, there's probably schools that have more than we do. I don't know. But how in the world do people think we're competing the way we are? I mean, we're number two in the nation in recruiting. Uh, we, we've got a good system in place. I don't know exactly. I don't know the ins and outs of it. But, uh, boy, you got your head in the sand if you think that, I believe. I mean, go ahead. I can tell you, I talked to some of these people, and they – Georgia is right there in the thick of it with, with anybody in the nation. Now, Kirby Smart is telling these kids, and I think this is where, Dane, you mentioned the negative recruiting. He's publicly said, in, don't waste your time chasing the biggest NIL deal in college. The real money is in the pros. Right. Come to Georgia, and we're going to get you ready for pro money. Look at how, you know. I got 15 guys in the draft. We set the record for it. You know, when you look at the signing bonuses and the million, you know, guaranteed money, $47 million that, you know, uh, the Georgia guys made last year. It's like you can nickel and dime it in college, but I'm going to get you here. And I think that's a lot of people taking that and going, oh, well, coach isn't giving us a whole lot of money for the NIL stuff. He's saying, wait till you get to the pros. You know, one of the things that the the, the people that get a chance to be recruited or go in the recruiting lounge at our, uh, down in the south end zone they've got a ticker tape up there it looks like the uh, new york stock exchange and it's got on there who signed for what and what they're making and then all of a sudden you know it's pretty vivid there the different guys we got in the pros and the amount of money they're making and uh you know that's a very good uh symbolism of what to look for but uh I just think the thing about kirby that i like is the fact that he, he tries to make sure that everybody on our squad has a good chance to to be represented in the NIL. I mean, we don't you don't see a lot of guys on our team getting in fights about what happened, about who has what. Like 
we read about one school uh, after the South Carolina game uh, when they played a team that lost their uh, second conference game. Uh, so uh, I think it's important. I think it's important to understand we got the right guy in a lot of ways as head of our program, not only coaching, recruiting, but uh, morale-wise, uh, building men, doing everything possible. I mean, he's a consummate coach. All right. Well, we're going to get to some questions here, but I want to mention our friends real quick over at uh, uh, Academia Brewing Company. Great place to watch the games. Great place to, you know, all the Georgia games, all the Hawks games. Uh, they were doing a ton for the World Cup. It's also a great place just to go swing by and have a great meal. Right now, they have the chili going on. They're always doing new stuff over there, and they have a chili special. You can get bowls of chili, get their chili dogs, and, and they're showing a chili dog here with the uh, – and that pretzel bun, I, I'm I'm a carb guy. I could eat all those pretzel buns they have. So uh, swing out by Academia Brewing Company. Try their chili. It's phenomenal. Uh, they also have, of course, all their sour syllabus beers, the whole four seasons of them. Try those when you get a chance. Uh, it's Wine Wednesday tomorrow. They do it every Wednesday. Uh, they're even going to have a uh, Christmas trivia on December 22nd from 7 to 8. So if you think you know a lot about Christmas, swing by and try that. My point is there's always neat food, new beers, fun entertainment, and a great camaraderie out at Academia Brewing Company. You need to go out and try the place, see what it's like, because there's just there's nothing else like it. So try Academia Brewing Company when you get the chance. And I also want to mention our friends at Dead Soxie when I'm talking about things that you need to try. Try the cool stuff at Dead Soxie. I like that new little promo they got there, little sock tree. It's really cool. If you follow Dead Soxie online or you know, go to their website or uh, follow them on Twitter, they're having a giveaway. It's $1,000 in socks. It's nuts. And so check out uh, Dead Soxie. You're going to see some really crazy stuff there. Um, yeah, there's uh, excuse me, yeah, there's $10,000 in free socks, but 10 winners get them. So $1,000 in free socks. So check it out. 27 pairs, 1000 bucks. Easy doesn't. There's no uh, re purchase required to enter. Just hit up our friends at Dead Soxie and try it out. All right, Dan, get to the questions there. From UGASports.com, this is from Bulldog Ben. How do you keep everyone focused with intensity for a month without a game? Kirby's shown that he can do it, but do you have any insight with how that happens? I think you just got to do a couple things. First of all, you got to realize the academic uh, situation that our players are under, uh, finishing up exams. Uh, also. Uh, making sure that you keep your team strength and conditioning similar to what it was peaked up at the end of the year. And then uh, bring in just enough, and you have to balance out the fact the coaches are on the road until the, the Saturday uh, uh, and you have some skeleton staffs as far as coaching uh, the practices. So I think the fact that w we do just enough to keep our guys uh you know, reg ready to go uh, a little bit and then put the hammer down like next week, like starting Sunday, Monday, I mean, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, probably Thursday we'll go and then they'll break like the 22nd for three days and go home for uh, uh, Christmas and then come back Christmas night and then uh, put it back together for the, for the game. So I think just a little bit of, of keeping them, uh, their their minds right for academics, their bodies right, for strength and conditioning, and showing them some tape that each guy's got their own iPad 
that's got all the tape on it that they can watch at their leisure at their house or whatever. So uh, he's proven uh, how, how well they, our teams do in the uh, playoff situation. So they've got the model for it and they know how to use it. From Go Dogs 1371, if you were Ryan Day, how would you have planned to attack Georgia's defense? Is it as simple as going after one player or is it a matter of scheme? Well, first of all, Ryan Day is an outstanding offensive coach. You know, he's got a tremendous background. He started out as a player, as a quarterback, uh, playing at uh, New Hampshire for Chip Kelly, who is, you know, a modern-day spread guy. And then he went to the and actually coached uh, in the pro ball with Kelly at the 49ers. And then Urban Meyer brought him back as a coordinator. So he's got a really good knowledge of, of how to attack defenses, and they've always had – pro offense there more than they are defense. They've struggled defensively the last couple of years. A little better this year. They brought in Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State, who's a pressure guy. But as far as attacking them, I mean, they, they're a very, very much 11 personnel team that runs, you know, three wides, one tight and one back. But they do come in with some two, two back personnel, which they use more for their power game. But uh, they they really do use personnel groupings uh, effectively and try to attack different underneath coverages and and they throw the ball well deep but uh, a very astute passing game I don't know what they'll try to do against us but the thing you got to do against us it's been proven if you go back to old <laughs> the, the first year Kirby was here if you can run and pass and not lose yards you can attack our defense I mean that that's part of it our defense really thrives on playing uh, down in distance. If they can get ahead of the chains, hard to move the ball on us because we can use exotic pressures and a lot of different stuff. But uh, I think the big key in this game is can they get any running game going? If they're just throwing all the time, I think we'll be in good shape. Claremont says Ohio State will be out for blood and revenge. UGA just whooped LSU and most everyone else. Does Ohio State have a mental advantage? And how does Georgia combat apathy? Well, first of all, I, I believe that when you're going for the top, going for everything, uh, nobody's really got an advantage there because you got your ass beat in your last game or because you won in your last game. But certainly uh, Ohio State's got to f- feel grateful to be in it, and they, they're going to work harder at some of their – it's easier to get their kids' attention about how Miss, you know, uh, Michigan really – revved it up on them with all the big plays. But Georgia will never have any apathy as long as Kirby's here. Uh, it's self-survival at practice every day. I mean, uh, you, 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 that's just the way he coaches, which I like. That's the way I coach. I mean, you want to go ones against ones to make the guys get better. So uh, that's a word would never be in a dictionary for Georgia football, apathy. North Buckhead Dogs says, how would Coach Donnan compare Tennessee's offensive line to Ohio State's offensive line? I think we might have a similar defensive game plan against the two teams, and I'm curious how they compare in the trenches. I think Ohio State's better up front. I mean, Tennessee got by with a marginal offensive line all year. I mean, the, the quarterback really throws on time, and uh, we showed what, what, how we could pressure up. But uh, the difference is, to me, they can run the ball a little better than, uh, than uh, Tennessee. And uh, similar receivers, quarterbacks probably got a little edge on Hooker, maybe not as mobile. Uh, I, I, I don't know enough about their line to say that they're A and Tennessee's B, but, uh, you know, I think we'll be able to run our scheme. That's what we do. 
PA Bulldog, how will UGA look to minimize Marvin Harrison Jr.'s catches, or is it a matter of looking to prevent others and assuming that he'll have a big day? Well, you got to be careful about doubling up on a guy when they got other people. Fortunately, their best receiver last year who came back. Uh, Smith and Jigba. Yeah, he's not going to play in the game, so that eliminates him. But they got other good guys. You just got to play your defense and be aware that that's their best guy, and you, you can pick and choose when you want to double him and do different things. But you certainly can't uh, base everything on start on stopping him. I think uh, the quarterback's too good. He can distribute the ball way too much to other people. From Keeper Dog, who's going to replace Buster Faulkner and be an analyst for UGA? Who does Coach believe Kirby should go get to enhance the staff and bring in fresh ideas? Well, I think Mike Bobo will be the guy that uh, moves from, you know, he's an offensive analyst, but, you know, he didn't, I don't think Kirby wanted to step on anybody's toes. You know, the fact that Faulkner was already here and had an established relationship with all those guys, along with Coach Munkin, who is actually the quarterback coach. uh, I think, as far as fresh ideas, I don't know that we need many. uh, We got every idea in the history of football uh, (laughs) on our offense. uh, uh, we get we can run anything that you want, but uh, you know there'll probably be somebody that he brings in as, as a, an analyst. But uh, I'm glad we got Mike here, and Mike's made it made a big imprint on uh, on our game management, and uh, has done a good job. I hate I hate the Buster's leaving us, but I'm happy for him. I think it's a good move. He's been very selective. He's had some jobs offered to him. I know last year. Tulane tried to hire him, and, uh, you know, he, he felt like this was a better fit for him to stay here. And uh, and I know he, he's always been concerned about his son, who's a freshman in high school, uh, getting him in the right school the last few years. So I'm sure that there will be a lot of schools in Atlanta looking at his son, who's an enterprising young quarterback. Final question here, RX Dog Fan. He starts with, hey, Roddy, call me. <laughs> rx is that this prescription for you supposed to get honey well the, here's some context he says my question is for coach don and more than four hours coach he said coach Donnan began his coaching career at georgia when i started pharmacy school at uga and i've always wondered this but roughly how many plays does each position group have to learn and remember realizing that each game has a good bit of variability is there like 50 more or less basic plays to remember and then maybe 25 or so that depends on who you're playing well, you have a Bible or a playbook or whatever you want to say uh, that has philosophy that's based on different fronts and different coverages. And uh, you have a numerical system and you have a name system that you use. And each team has different ways of categorizing them, but you got to have down and distance plays, a red zone play, coming out plays, uh, coming out of the end zone. Uh, all those are different ones, but I, I, I don't know if there's any set number, but uh, – I would say that most teams will carry, you know, at least, and you got to go screens, draws, delays, uh, things like that. But uh, anybody in college has got at least 75 different concepts, I would think. It is funny to me, and I guess I'll I'll end this on like slightly a, a tribute of something that always made me laugh with Mike Leach as we continue to, to remember him. You see these coaches, and I'm thinking of Jimbo Fisher in my head, where there's just all these papers in his hand and just like things falling out of notebooks. And then there was Mike Leach, who had just a little note card, and that's where he called plays from. It was very much like high school coach style. 
and that's uh that was his way of doing things and to me it was just always funny that he was so confident then in that and call plays from that didn't need all this other stuff i do remember one of the speaking to a linebacker who was talking about uh todd grantham and he says look we got like 50 plays that we have to know okay well it's not nothing unusual he says but then Coach keeps watching tape and he puts in another play and another play and another play just in case the other team runs this trick player, just in case they do that. And we practice all those plays that never come up, you know, in a game, uh, all the different fakes and stuff they would do, all the trick plays. And we, we run those repeatedly. And it was actually hurting or he, this, and again, this is just this linebacker's opinion. He says, but it's basically hurting us on our uh, uh, bread and butter defense, you know, our normal calls. You know, for most of the game, we're running the same 11 plays or something like that. But we've got 75 other scenarios that we have to prep for. So uh, you can overthink it in answer to the question and require them to have so many options that you flood them. I mean, you want to be prepared for everything. At the same time, you can kind of flood the zone and not practice the stuff that gets you, you know, that has the, that you use the most. So uh it can be overkill. When people talk about opening up the playbook and you know running exotic defenses, there becomes a point of negative returns where you actually hurt of yourself trying to come up with all the fancy trick plays and all the fancy trick defenses and exotic blitzes and stuff like that. So, because for as many times as like a coach uses some kind of scheme or play to do something incredible, and that does happen. It happens way more frequently that the bigger, faster, stronger football player <laughs> wins the game of real estate acquisition. Georgia runs a counter, and here goes Kendall Milton, 48 yards. Just like, uh, hey, I'm glad you practiced all the – you worked on Georgia's fleet flicker. But, uh, yeah, maybe you should learn to stop the counter, you know, <laughs> inside zone, uh, split zone read. Stop. Try stopping that. Or, hey, we're just going to hand the ball to uh, Brock Bowers and see what happens. Anyway, folks, that's all the time we have for this week's show. We really appreciate everybody tuning in. A special shout out to our podcast sponsors, of course, uh, Athens Ford, Your Pie, Academia Brewing Company, Dead Soxy, Prime Shrimp, and My Perfect Franchise. Please visit all of them and be sure to tune in to uh, or, excuse me, tune, go back and watch last night's version of Rumors versus Facts, a recruiting show ton of content in there. We're getting right towards the end of the recruiting season. Coaches have been on the road. Georgia's hosting visitors. There's uh, nine players enrolling at Georgia this Saturday. You're going to have nine guys who are going to be able to start joining the practice squad. We've got stories on that at UJ Sports. You need to check out the nine guys who are going to be here. We're doing a series where you basically meet all the new Georgia Bulldogs. We had uh, A.J. Harris yesterday. We've got C.J. Allen today. Check that out. And go back and watch uh, the interview last night on Rumors versus Fact. They had uh, uh, Perlotti, the uh, Buford linebacker the star over there, the 2025 kid, uh, actually join him on the show. That's a, definitely a kid you want to check out. He's been dying to play for Georgia forever. Uh, he's known it for a long time. He committed very early. It's only the second commit in the class of 2025. Check out that interview and all the good scoop that you can get from uh, Blaine and Jed when it comes to Georgia football recruiting. You're about uh, eight days away from early signing day. So check it out. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. Take care. <laughs>